Go with me to Luke 15. Luke 15. We're going to look at a story tonight that Jesus told to some people that really needed to hear it. (laughs) I think you always had the listener in mind, though, when Jesus told a story. Um, This particular story is, is often referred to as the parable of the lost son, parable of the prodigal son. A familiar story perhaps to many. Um, We're going to read this tonight, and I really, um, my prayer is for the very thing that I believe Jesus was after in telling this story was that those that heard it would know the heart of the Father, would know the heart of God for them that it wouldn't just be a story for somebody else, but they would find themselves somewhere in the story. And in that, they would find God in the story. Or maybe more appropriately, let God find them. And that's what we've been talking about these last few weeks. Um, We've been um, visiting a number of passages in Scripture that really reveal this amazing truth about the heart of God, which is that before we were ever looking for him, before we even had this thought in our hearts and our minds that we needed him, that he was looking for us, that he was searching for us, that he was after us, that he has gone out of his way time and time again to reveal his love for us. And um, that is the truth of the gospel. And I think in that um, truth, we find uh, such encouragement um, because I don't know about you guys, but we don't have to look far in our past to realize inconsistencies and breakdowns, even for things that we 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 wanted or that we had good intentions about. Um, we're pretty inconsistent people. Um, at least I am. I don't know about you, but I love the the fact that our our life's worth isn't dependent on our consistency. It's dependent on God's. It's dependent on His faithfulness, not ours. And it's actually the faithfulness of God that will bring about faithfulness in your life. The faithfulness of God. And our ability to see it will change us. I want to share this story tonight. And um, again, it's more than a story. Jesus told this story to some people that really needed to know about the faithfulness of God in pursuit of them. This story is was told to some people that really needed to know that God loved them deeply. Anybody need that? Yeah. So it's probably for all of us too. Um, Luke 15, it actually starts with this and the context for um, the words that Jesus is, Jesus is sharing. It says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. So Jesus shares this story with quite a wide range of people, with tax collectors and those that were identified in that community as sinners, people that um, if you were, um, you know, quote-unquote pursuing God that you didn't want to be around. And in the same breath, Jesus is sharing this story to those 
um, who were actually the teachers of the law, those who were the trained, those who were uh, would have considered themselves righteous and heirs of the promises of God. Jesus says, all right, I have a story for all of you. Sit down and let's have story time, okay? And um, in verse 11, verse 11, Jesus shares this. He says, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate, um, which was not a very polite request, considering his dad was still alive. He, he asked for the very thing that would have been understood that was his upon the death of his father, uh, the inheritance, um, the, the very things that, you know, you write a will for to identify who gets what. The son says, Dad, Father, how can I say this nicely? I wish you were dead so I can have what's coming to me. Just in case we missed that there, because in one breath, in one verse, it says, so he divided his property between them. No uh, moment of surprise, no... um, reaction of being upset, um, but I imagine, you know, um, this father was perhaps hurt, um, but he says, okay. Verse 13, not long after that, the young, younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. So he took what he had, and he left his father's house because He um, had dreams of another place. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. He began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. It's not looking very good. It says this in verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. He had a moment of realization. He had a moment where he realized, I don't have to be here anymore. And this is not a good place to be. He had a moment where he realized the very need that was there all along. He realized, in fact, it was there. And so he said, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. It says, but while he was still a long way off, his father said His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. Say, filled with compassion. Say it like you mean it. Filled with compassion. What was in the father's heart towards the son when he saw him coming? Compassion. Not disappointment. Not discouragement. Not anger. Not a plan to whip him. 
His heart was full of compassion. Now, just notice the point that we're told the, the heart of the father was full of compassion. It was while the son was still a long way off. It was before the son had said anything to the father about why he was showing up. He could have been coming back to ask for more. He could have been coming back to say, hey, I ran out. Is there any more inheritance for me to partake in? I partook in all of mine. It is gone now. While he was still a long way off, and before he had said a word to the father, before he had expressed why he was returning home, the heart of the father was full of compassion. Do you know God isn't looking and waiting for you to say sorry to him to pour out his compassion in your life? I think sometimes we think that it's when we say sorry that God says, I forgive you. That's not how it works. God's forgiveness has been poured out for you once and for all through Jesus. God's compassion has been poured out, poured out for you once and for all through Jesus. And he's not waiting for you to say sorry to give you what he's already given through the Son. It's yours. It's been poured out. He's not withholding anything. He's not waiting for you to do something. Otherwise, it would be conditional. Otherwise, it would be based on a work that you do. Repentance is not a work to receive the forgiveness of God. God gave his son before you did anything. While you were still a sinner, while you were still a long way off, God said, you need my compassion and it is my delight and my good pleasure to give it to you. That's good news. And it's actually a reason to go to God rather than delay. Sometimes we think, okay, I need to actually work up in my heart that I actually am sorry before I can even go to him. That's not how it works. In fact, if you find yourself in that place and you find yourself saying, you know what, I'm not even sure I I feel like I need this, go to God and ask him to show you that you need it. You can't work up desire for God. That's not how it works. God puts that in you. The heart of the Father for you and the heart of the Father for me and the heart of the Father for every person that we know is full of compassion, full of love, full of grace. I know we've encountered it. I know we've encountered it. But I feel like that God is saying, settle in your heart that it's the truth for the people around you. And if you find yourself in a place where you don't have what I have, just pray this little prayer. Help! Jesus, help! I'm looking at this person And they probably can read it on my face. My heart is not full of compassion for them. (laughs) Jesus, help. You don't have to close your eyes for that prayer. It's really quick. You can just blink. Help. (laughs) Help. 
Why are you blinking? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm just trying to communicate something to you that I don't have the words for right now. Jesus, help. He will give you what he has. He will remind you of what you've received so that you can give it as well. Our world needs to know that this is what God is like. He's a God of compassion. I love the story that David shared because it, 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 it's just a simple picture of when we align ourselves with the truth that this is what God has for the people around us, then, then we can just give it away all day. And the world needs to know. The world needs to see this is what he's like. Jesus knew that, and so he's sharing this story. But it's more than just a story. It was the life that he lived Jesus lived out the compassion of God, and that's why there were all kinds of people around him in this moment, listening to the very words that he was speaking. Let's keep going. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He didn't wait for him to show up. He ran to him. And running in that culture was something you didn't do. It was undignified for a man of any status to run anywhere. The father ran to the son. He didn't care what other people thought. His love was so overflowing, so abundant that he just, he's like, I can't help myself. I'm running to meet you. That's the heart of God on your behalf. He's not waiting for you to have the right words. He, he is running towards you so that you would know who he is. He ran to his son. And before the son said anything, he threw his arms around him and he kissed him. He poured out his love on the son. He lavished him with his love. In this moment, I imagine the son was completely confused. This is not the response, even in my wildest dreams, that I expected from the father. The father who I said, the last words I spoke to him were, I wish you were dead. So the son says, let me explain myself before you get too carried away, God. Before you get too carried away, Father, pouring out your love, let me explain to you why I'm here. The son was still trying to make things comfortable for himself. The love of God, when you really let it in, it won't be completely comfortable. Because you realize, I don't deserve this, but you're giving it to me anyway. What is this? I imagine the son was really confused. And so he stuck with his plan. I had a plan, I had a script. He maybe pulled out the paper. Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please make me a servant. Anybody ever prayed that prayer to God? I'm more comfortable, God, being a servant than a son. 
I'm more comfortable, God, being a servant than a daughter. I'm more comfortable, God, trying to work for your love than receiving it freely. It's more comfortable, but it's not the gospel. It's more comfortable, but it's not God's attitude towards you. And in fact, as you're saying that, he's saying, la, 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 la. I can't hear you right now because I am just so in love with you. What were you saying? I love you. What were you saying? I love you. I'm sorry, I can't hear you. Say it again. I love you. It's uncomfortable. I love you anyway. You're not sure this this robe fits? I love you anyway. I actually made this robe tailored for you. This robe has your name on it, so it will fit. The father said to his servants, he says, oh, yeah, speaking of servants, servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on my son. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. I want him to know without a shadow of doubt who he is. He wants you to know beyond a shadow of doubt who you are in case you get confused sometimes, in case you think, you know what, I'm more comfortable being a servant. God said, I have put a robe on you. I've clothed you with my righteousness. You're a son. You're a daughter in this family, and that will never change. Put it on. You know what you do with a gift? That's what this is. You know what you do with a gift? You know, the only, the only true, right, humble, gracious response to receiving a gift is to open it and to receive it. There are people who have been given the love of God, the grace of God, the gift of righteousness, the gift of salvation, who said, whoa, that's too good for me. Let's just put it over here. Too rich for my blood. I'm going to put it in the closet. I cannot, this robe, this robe is too slick. This robe is too shiny. I, I, like, I, I like more drab attire. I don't, you know, I don't want people noticing me out in public. The only gracious grateful, humble response to receiving what God has given is to just say yes to it. Even when it doesn't feel comfortable, even when you look at your life and you say it doesn't even feel true, receive it. Receive the love of God. In this story, he wanted the son to know without a shadow of doubt, you are my son, you've always been my son. And I'm welcoming you home as my son. So put on the best robe. And we're going to have a celebration. The response of God. Even when the son is trying to apologize, the response of God is, let's have a party. Let's rejoice. 
What's in the heart of God? It's compassion and it's joy. It's excitement. He rejoices over those who find out truly what he's done and they receive it. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. We're going to have a family dinner here. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate for this son was dead and he's alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. That is the appropriate response to God's love breaking through in our lives. It's to celebrate. That's the appropriate response for God's love breaking through in the people around us. It's to celebrate. That's the appropriate response ahead of time. We're hoping and believing and we're celebrating in advance that God's love, when it breaks through, will bring them into the family. So we celebrate. We rejoice. We say, thank you, God. Even while I'm still trying to believe that it's true, thank you. This is who you are. This is what you've done. There's another person in this story. Another son. The son, he was out doing his chores. It says, when he came near, when, when they came near to the house, he heard music and dancing. When the son came back from his chores, he heard music and dancing. He didn't know why, but instead of rejoicing, he did something else. He called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. He didn't say, oh, wow, a party. Let me hurry up and clean up and go in and take part. My guess is because the son hadn't been around too many parties. Which is kind of sad. They said, your brother has come. The servants, they knew who he was. said, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. He's back where he was meant to be all along. And the older brother became angry and he refused to go in. He didn't want any part of this party. So his father went out and pleaded with him, even to the son that wanted no part in the party the father goes to him to. He goes to him and he pleads with him. He says, come and be a part of this. Come and have the heart that I have. Come and share in the joy that I have. Come and take part in the compassion that I have. But he answered his father, look, after All these years, I've been slaving away for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. You think he's telling him something he didn't know? You know, it is, it's the right of the Father to give to whomever he wants. It's the right of the Father to give. The son didn't realize that the Father had given to him. And so he was upset when someone else received. 
if we ever find ourselves upset because someone else is receiving, it might be because we haven't realized what he's already given us. If something rises up in your heart that says, God, why are they being blessed? God, why is this happening over here? God, why does it seem like your love is, is, is more abundant over this life? That's probably because you're missing the truth of what he's given you already. And the quickest way to squash that is to turn your eyes and your heart on the truth that has been given to you as well. To understand that God has given you what you need and more. And that's what he's appealing to the older brother. The older brother needs to come to his senses to receive what he already has. That's why this is such a sad moment, because the older brother already had those things. And he was waiting for the father to say, here you go, as a result of him doing stuff. When all he had to do was come to the father and say, dad, I want to have a party with my friends. Is that okay? Um, I know you're saving the, 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 the fat cow for something special, but can we at least have a goat? And I bet the father would have said, no, I'll do better than a goat. You can have the fat cow because I love you and your friends They're okay, too. But my guess is he never asked because he wasn't ready to receive. He was trying to earn. The things that God has for you, they've been given freely. But you know what that requires? You know what it costs? It costs you receiving. It costs you saying, Okay, and I open my hands. That's not comfortable. Earning feels good. Because then we can say, look what I did. Look what I did. I did everything I was supposed to do here. Which, by the way, probably wasn't true. That was probably a stretch. At the very least, he missed the point. No, you did everything but what you should have done, which was ask, receive. Just delight in what you've been around the whole time. He says, my son, you are always with me. Wow. You're always with me. You had what your younger brother didn't have because you were right here. You were in my presence. And everything I have is yours. Do you believe that? Do you believe that because you have the presence of God, everything that he has is yours? Everything that you need is at your fingertips? And God wants to give it to you. Some of us, we've been frustrated with ourselves and frustrated with God. Thinking there's a problem there. Thinking that 
it's not until we get some things right that God's going to pour out. And God's like, why are you waiting? Everything that I have is yours. And because you have me with you, all you have to do is ask. And I'm not saying it, that means it's going to come tomorrow, but I do believe that God is calling our hearts to engage with his. Calling us to not be at odds with him until we get things figured out. Calling us to not let frustration boil over and miss the party. Miss the celebration. Miss the joy that's right now. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had no choice. This was what was in our heart to do. This is the response that's bubbling up. We had to celebrate and be glad because your brother, he's not dead anymore. He's been found. He's been found. This story ends kind of abruptly. That's the end of the story. But it's not really the end of the story because there they would have been sitting there listening and waiting and being like, what's next, Jesus? And Jesus probably turns to them and says, well, you tell me. You tell me. How are you going to respond? I want to read this and we're going to close. Tim Keller, he writes this about this story. He said, you know, we've, we've named this story the wrong thing. You know, the titles for these stories, they weren't put there by Jesus. Did you guys know that? They were put there later on. And so when we call this story the, the prodigal son, it's probably not the best title for the story. Uh, others have called this the story of two lost sons, which is probably a better um, title. But there's even a better title yet. And this is what Tim Keller says. He says, The word prodigal, it doesn't mean wayward. According to the dictionary, it means recklessly spend thrift. It means to spend until you have nothing left. That's what the word prodigal means. He says, therefore, the term is an appropriate term for describing the father in the story. The, the term is actually more appropriate in describing the father in the story because it's the father who welcomes the repentant son with literally reckless reckless abandonment because he refused to reckon or count his sins against him or demand repayment. The father is the prodigal in this story because he did not withhold anything to reveal his love. Prodigal God. That's a good title for this story. The prodigal God, the God who has not withheld anything. Jesus is showing us the God of great expenditure, who is nothing if not prodigal towards us, his children. God's reckless grace is our greatest hope 
It is a life-changing experience.